make sure you test your assumptions, you know, as quick as possible. How easy it can be to set up all. It's also very nice for during development. When you have all this mock data set up, you can uh, really easily uh, start developing. I think that's very valuable. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Today is a good day to show a little of our front-end love and our love for testing and enjoying the quality of a good front-end. So Peter, what are we going to do? Yeah, and actually it was time for that because the last time we talked about front-end and related stuff was, I think, quite some episodes ago. So uh, good that we have uh, front-end uh, in the show again. Yeah, and we are going to talk about front-end quality and not just front-end quality, no, front-end quality in an interactive heavy application. And I'm really curious. So let's introduce the guests. Yeah, so our guests of today are uh, Kasper Peulen. He's a full-stack engineer at uh, Bol.com. And uh, Janja Vrij, a senior test automation engineer and scrum master. So both work in the shopping domain and they work on the, on the checkout. Peter, you got inspired eh, for this episode by uh, yeah, watching a live stream from the uh, quality community at Ball.com, where the gentleman in the show uh, presented. What is this quality community and uh, how was it to, uh, to present for an audience without seeing them? Let's find out. Well, it's a bit different uh, now in uh, Corona times uh, that we have to uh, present these things, not as a workshop or in a meetup, but uh, actually through uh, a Microsoft Teams uh, live event. Um, and it's a lot more difficult to inter- interact with your audience and to, to actually gauge their reactions, see, you know, are they still tuned in? Um, but having the Q&A also midway through the presentation, that, uh, that really helped, uh, I think. And uh, in general, I think those live events work, yeah, work, work quite well. So in the end, uh, we got a lot of uh, good responses out of them. Yeah, it's hard to see uh, that you cannot see your audience. You cannot see, like, you see people fucking see <laughs> or whatever, you know. But you just have the feeling, okay, maybe they understood it, maybe they're not. You have not any feedback, that's a little bit hard. But uh, on the other hand, it's also uh, yeah, very low level. You just start up your, uh, your laptop and you have a meeting that you can present to a lot of people. So that is actually also really nice. What, what is the quality community? Can you explain that uh, briefly? Um, yeah, yeah. We, we used to have a, a tester community within Bol.com and we, we regularly would have meetings, did some knowledge sharing. We actually had a couple of colleagues doing a test cafe, which was purely informal, just you know talking about testing, about quality. But I guess, you know, a lot of teams nowadays in Bol.com, they don't have a, a tester anymore. And I, I really believe to my core that testing is not just a tester uh, uh, responsibility it's a team responsibility and quality is so we really want to kickstart this community again to actually get more people involved in quality and i think this goes a lot lot further than just involving testers here so we try to uh, to share knowledge to get people enthusiastic and uh, get some knowledge uh, shared uh, yeah, across the entire organization which is always a good thing to do of course um, hey yeah yeah so we prepared some um, yeah, statements uh, slash dilemmas to uh, to start off with um, and the first one is yeah, testing is always a balancing act. Eh? It's uh, time versus quality. How much time to spend on getting all the cases, all the interactions uh, in, in, in the test uh, or, in the, in the edge case, of course, 
clear versus yeah what is the level of quality that you want to have before you go to production I have done for the for the front end here is making sure that we uh, can test everything uh, mocked that makes uh, for, for us it's really easy because uh, in the 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 back end or the primary back end that we have is the, is the web shop which uh, takes up like uh, minutes to load <laughs> so that we can just uh, set up our whole uh, mocked environment in a couple of seconds also for development Super, super useful for us. And uh, and then we can also do, of course, a lot of automated tests against this mocked environment. So, uh, so yeah, we, uh, we, we really love that and it makes uh, testing yeah, much easier and much more like your, just your flow in your whole development process. Sometimes I even start with making a story uh, in, the, in the storybook before I start developing, just because when you have all this mock data set up, you can uh, really easily uh, start developing. Cool. So the so you get you stay in your flow of developing. Uh, testing is not a, a extra hurdle anymore. So you do actually do it more often in, instead of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, think so. Yes. Waiting for it to start with testing. Yeah. yeah. But Paul, you want to do the other one? Oh. <laughs> Can I have the honor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's because uh, yeah, but that's I think this is like uh, something. Uh, uh, Mikola, who I worked really a lot with, is uh, uh, is will be stating a lot that uh, testing in non-production environment is really overrated. You should just test on pro. Canary testing is the future. How do you yeah. feel about this? Uh, I, 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 we, we do test on pro a lot more, of course, and the stuff like feature toggles, uh, they make it a lot more easier. And of course, we have a good metrics, good alerting. So, uh, you know, you can get a lot of knowledge out of it. But I do do think that testing, testing in isolation, so not end-to-end -end testing, because I would really like to get rid of end-to-end -end testing uh, in the future, to be honest, but in isolation, and especially the way we do it, so just the front-end code, test that um, while you're developing the feature, I think that's very valuable, um, especially because we work in the checkout, and this is basically where all the domains within Ball.com, they come together, and if the, there's no checkout, then, you know, then we don't have a web shop anymore. So uh, I think for us it's very important to get this uh, this confidence before we uh, we actually merge and go to production. But what what actually uh, testing in non-pro is overrated? Does it think, because if you test on pro, then mostly your 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 customers are testing, right? Or is that? <laughs> I'm not sure actually that's if true. I understand this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's 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 true in a way, and uh, of course not not all pro, but for front end, especially in the web shop. Yeah. Most of it will be done by your by your customers uh, then, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we've gotten used to that that they that they when we are A/B testing that they're doing it. We've gotten to some level used to with Canary releases that that they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, but um, of course, yeah, you can tell them exactly what to test because they will just do whatever they want to do on our web shop because that's yeah, but. But that goes both ways because I, you know I'm pretty good at dreaming up lots of edge cases and weird scenarios. But the customers, I mean, we have 10 million over 10 million now. They're a lot more creative in in finding ways to 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 destroy what we built. So yeah, exactly. uh, in that case, that will give a uh, that's a final test on production. Mm -hmm. And also, what for us was really helpful in the checkout was we had a a very elaborate beta testing. So we had a lot of colleagues who were just uh, you know, do you want to help us? Okay, we'll, we'll put you on the list. And they would get to see this new checkout uh, way before the country did. So, uh, and that gave us a lot of insight as well. Hey, Jan, Jan you said um, you want to get rid of end-to-end -end testing. Um, why is that? 
it's it's very expensive basically um of course uh, we have a lot of applications uh, within this company and we can't just uh, influence all of them so if you have an integrated testing environment you know acceptance tests dev um, it's very tough to keep this environment healthy people are de developing deploying at all times and it's very tough to uh, to yeah to actually control uh, the environment so that means that if you're testing you no know, against a real running web shop um, you'll have to mimic user behavior, uh, plenty of things will go wrong, and, and the tests end up being very flaky. So sometimes, or most often actually, they fail for no good reason. They don't fail because you build a new future, but because uh, a setting in another service was, for example, faulty. So uh, while I do think at this point we can't really live without them completely, uh, in the future, I, I definitely think we should go without and uh, test it uh, more in isolation. Uh, actually, actually, I, uh, I'm a always a little bit worried if I hear those kind of things, especially in an interaction-heavy uh, uh, sort of what we have, because it basically means that you ha would be, would have have to mock every interaction. So if you do an interaction, the next response from the backend you have to mock as well. But then you're you're going to basically mock business logic of the backend. Uh, and then uh, in the end, that maybe the, you, you don't mock it well, and then people think, hey, there's a bug, but actually it's a bug in your mock. <laughs> so that is uh, sometimes uh, I find it find it hard if we can really get those kind of guarantees that we have an end-to-end test if we would only do component-based uh, testing. You're saying you have to translate all your uh, APIs you're talking to uh, into uh, mockups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then write the test cases for them. And the yeah. first step is to to verify all those mockups uh, and, and test cases before you can say something about your real uh, output of the test. It was already a nice bridge to uh, yeah to more the yeah get get to know the context and the example uh, of this uh, yeah interactive heavy uh, um, application we're talking about. Can you can you describe it in what area you're working and um, what uh, the area of your testing is? So uh, yeah, our context is that we uh, have a, a, a whole new uh, checkout page, and the the the, the designers had very uh, yeah, challenging ideas about this, and we wanted to make the whole checkout one single uh, page application. Uh, so instead of having a, a form that you have to go first put in your address, and then you go to the next page, and then you can fill in your your moment, and then you go to the next page, and then you can select your your payment plan uh, or whatever that. That's basically what you see in most checkouts in the, in the Netherlands. They wanted to have one one page where you swipe some carousels, a little bit like Tinder, like go to the right, or go to the left. And then uh, after you've you've done those three interactions with your thumb, you're basically very mobile first. <laughs> uh, then you are just ready and you can pay. That is the, the idea. <laughs> and we uh, use a lot of uh, your history and, uh, and do suggestions based on your location. To get the best uh, pickup point or the or, or the, the the last uh, bank that you've used, etc. So that was uh, yes, implementing this was quite hard, and we uh, yeah had had to uh, go to a new kind of uh, front-end technologies. We use uh, React uh, to to make sure this can be done in a scalable way, and also make sure that we stay in sync with the backend while we do a lot of things in the in the front-end. Yeah, so so the the and you have these checkouts and you you starting to set your options as a customer, and while doing that you have to I, I say it like refresh, but I don't think if, the, if I, I'm not sure if that's the the, the right idea behind it. But you have to uh, and based on that interaction the, the the checkout changes with the options. 
Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is also part of this. Uh, this um, yeah, making it more complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like fr from the history of uh, the World Wide Web, what are the three options in in handling these interactions? The 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 first what what has been done, I think, uh, from the, the late 90s to the beginning of 2000, is that uh, you just uh, always ne navigate to a new page if there's an interaction, and that is, you know, of course, the, the first web page where just uh, pages with links, right? And, with, and on the link you go to a new thing, and then after a while they were like, okay, let's also have some kind of form to send some inf information to some kind of backend. But after this form, you also go to a new page to say, hey, you, were, you succeeded or or do you have some uh, some errors? But it's all all based on going to a page to a page. And that is also actually what we still do in the basket. If you will even change your uh, the amount of items that you select uh, that you want to order in the basket, then you, we will just refresh the whole page for you. And uh, okay. yeah, so, so so basically, at some point uh, around uh, 2006, I think, when uh, when Gmail and Google Maps and all those kind of apps came out, they, they were like trying to do it with a new thing. Uh, the, the technology was uh, Ajax and uh, and jQuery that were very popular, and they were like, okay, just if if there's some interaction, just 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 handle this in the same page that you're in now, and and if there are some things needed to change. Uh, yeah, yeah, just mutate that uh, the, those uh, those DOM elements on your on your page, and ma make it look very smooth. Uh, and basically, as smooth as it would be in the in the in the in the in a native uh, maybe desktop app, or, but of course in that time also other where you can do things much smoother and it doesn't feel like a website. It just feels like okay, I'm doing something and and uh, yeah, it's app-like behavior. So uh, that is I would say the second way that is uh, has been very popular, but it also became a nightmare and also cause many people to never want to touch front end again <laughs> because uh, you get one, one big spaghetti nightmare where you have uh, all kind of uh, event handlers that, that wait on a click but they also wait on a blur uh, uh, event at the same time and then there's a race condition and then uh, all kind of, uh, of, of problems and so around uh, so the third option that we have chosen for is that I think around uh, 2013, I think uh, Angular, React, uh, Vue, all kind of those single-page application uh, technologies came out, and they that make it basically much easier and much actually maybe as easy as it was when it was uh, uh, when you just navigate to a new page. So that's uh, that was uh, what we chose for. Exactly, because that was what I was wondering. Eh? Earlier in the, in the conversation, we've been talking about testing and isolation. Yeah. And if you have a, a page and you go to a next page and to a next page, then you have really defined sets of things that you're testing uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in my perception. Yeah, yeah. And then you move to some more fluid way and then it becomes yeah, blurry what, what the exact scope is. So the, the, there's it's hard to isolate stuff from there. Yeah. And with going to that same page, can we go back to isolation there? And how does that work? Yeah, so yeah, a little bit we can do that because uh, uh, so basically how it works is that uh, the the, the backend sends us a model, and based on the model uh, we have uh, we have the templates on the front end, and based on the model just the template will fill its uh, colors basically, right? And so uh, uh, if we just uh, yeah we can just mock that model and we get uh, all kinds of different flavors, and and basically the, the same thing happens in our page as if you do an interaction. 
and you do a refresh, uh, like a hard-coded refresh on your page, basically the same thing should have happened than what you see after a while on your on your page. So, so because that is the kind of the, the truth, uh, we just mock the whole model and then say like, okay, uh, if uh, this card was selected, uh, and the, that was the thing that the backend would give, what kind of UI w- would we have and how would it look like? And uh, so that's, uh, but it, it, it is harder because uh, transitions are harder to uh, to kind of test. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but uh, but but we kind of, uh, in most of our tests kind of assume this was the thing that we got from the, the backend. How does our uh, template look like then? Yeah, so we, we don't actually test the entire flow here. That's not that's not really possible or feasible because then again we would have to do all this elaborate mocking, mm-hmm. and then we would be more busy, uh, you know, verifying that those mocks are still correct than actually building tests uh, with it. Yeah. So we, we we do have some restrictions in, in the testing of, of this yeah this state that the the front end has, but may, basically all of our tests are so given this state, uh, when this component is rendered. Uh, does it still work as intended? Hey, yeah, before we go to the, the, the test setup eh, and, and discuss that more in detail, can you explain the, our uh, front-end architecture so we can really compare it with uh, how we test the rest of the web shop and, uh, and do this testing? Um, so yeah, we have a React, React front-end, um, which, uh, which, which creates the components and renders them. And behind that, we use a Redux uh, for a store. So basically, that's where the front-end stores all the data that it gets from the web shop back-end. And of course, the webshop backend gets it from all kinds of other applications. And basically, what what we do is every time you do an interaction, um, we we will ask for a new state. But of course, this can be a bit asynchronous. So the front end will update itself. So for example, we have these nice carousels for uh, selecting a different delivery moment. When you go to the next one, um, of course, you will already see it moving to the next card because we still have that last state. And in the backend, then we will sync and say, hey, the, the customer has now chosen this. This is actually a valid, uh, valid option. And of course, in that global state update, we will actually check, okay, so given these and these choices, uh, what does it now look like? And we do have some business logic there for in the front end. Uh, I believe that's done in uh, sagas, right, Casper? Uh, so basically, uh, what we tried to do and also what, what was the problem in the old checkout is that uh, there were a lot of out-of-sync uh, issues that the front end decided, like, Okay, if this uh, product is added, I will just add 10 euro to the cost overview and then it will be in, in sync and then it makes a kind of an error or something. And then after, there was actually no other the backend would have given or it would miss a discount or whatever. Uh, so so uh, what, what we have chosen for is that the, the backend is in the lead and where we can, we will just show a loader when an interaction is, 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 uh, has happened and wait for the backend to, to tell us what is the new cost overview or, or, or whatever. But uh, at some points, yeah, of course, UXs are uh, want more, more, more nice and more challenging uh, UIs than than, than is uh, somewhat scalable. <laughs> some, so, so, the, uh, so they uh, came with this carousel where you ex- actually immediately uh, can click on that card, and they didn't want a loader, and they just wanted to, uh, yeah, the way handle that immediately, and that, that that makes that we have to do sometimes some business logic in the front end. For example, if you click on the, we have a weak indicator. If you click on a card there, it will it will select the the cheapest option. Yeah, well that's a, a business rule. So we have to look at the, all the options and of the day and see what is actually the cheapest of the day. Uh, so we we will do actually the, the business logic on the front end, but then immediately after starts fetching the the, the back end like where we actually correct. <laughs> 
<laughs> make sure that they will override whatever we uh, have done to make sure that when the, the of course this has to be in sync but uh, to, to make sure that when someone clicks payment it shows exactly the price that we uh, actually pay etc yeah in the end that has to be correct huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that would be useful yeah, <laughs> yeah but the, the back end will always be uh, make sure that it is correct so um yeah, yeah. Uh, of course in the end if you're too quick for our checkout then we will uh, stop you in the end and say hey something has changed please check your order before continuing yeah, yeah exactly yeah that's how you do with it okay well, so yeah to our, uh, sorry, yeah Peter. yeah yeah the, the, exactly what you wanted to say Peter Paul. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it was quite clear explanation. So I wanted to move to the test uh, setup. Really, too. <laughs> really, uh, yeah. Could you could you explain it to the to the audience? Yeah, no problem. Um, so, well, to give a bit of a contrast to the rest of the webshop, um, mm -hmm. of course, a lot of the webshop pages. If you look at a list page, for example, where there are multiple products shown uh, based on your search query or mm -hmm. the category that you're browsing to, it's, it's all relatively static. There's not a lot of interaction you do there. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, as the name of, uh, of this talk implies, we are very heavy on interaction. There's a lot of choice a customer can make. So uh, the difference there is that while uh, in the rest, most of the web shop, we actually serve HTML templates to the front end, uh, we do all do this client side. So that's also the reason why we tend to test uh, most uh, most heavily in this front end. So uh, for example, if you, you know, if component testing is done throughout the web shop, but for them, they would have to spin up uh, uh, the, the web shop to actually get the data from the service and serve it to the, the template to the front end. Mm -hmm. And we said, no, we're gonna mock the, everything the web shop backend gives us. Um, and we do that using TypeScript. We, uh, we use TypeScript to have a, actually a very nice and um, uh, robust contracts between the backend and the frontend. So we just mock whatever the, the backend gives us and uh, th that we serve to uh, a component. So then uh, we define a certain state and we let the, the frontend render it and we can check you know, on an individual component basis, basically so what does this component look like at this point? And uh, to do that, we use Storybook. So uh, yeah, it's a really nice framework. Um, and it basically, it, it, it renders your front-end components individually. So um, if you have, for example, again, uh, okay, maybe you want to select your address. So we offer pickup points, uh, you can do your own address, or maybe you have an address book uh, and you have several saved addresses in there. So every one of those components we can render individually. So uh, for example, given a state with, an, uh, with, a, with a couple of addresses, we will render the address book model for you, the pop-up, and uh, then we can check all kinds of things there. So can we interact with the edit button? Can we set and make a new address? And basically, like we said, we can't update the entire state there. We can't mock all the responses, but you can still check, okay, so is there the right event calls, for example? Am I able to interact with these buttons? So given you know this, this checkout state, uh, does the component look like, uh, like we want to? And in Storybook, you can create a, a lot of different yeah, stories. Uh, that's why we call it Storybook, I guess. Uh, so for different variations. So you can have an address book without addresses or an address book where the address book service is down or uh, with a, a French address in it. And uh, very different representations based on you know, what kind of products do you have in your basket? Uh, what kind of addresses have you used before? What kind of payment methods are available for your order? And um, so we use Storybook to actually serve uh, all different variations of a uh, to you and 
yeah, it's not just handy for automated testing, what, what, what of course is, is my focus, but it's also very nice for during development, you can actually spin up Storybook and see, okay, so this is what it's like right now. And you can immediately check, you know, your implementation with a designer, with an analyst. Is this roughly what you expected? Oh, well, this, this spacing looks weird. Can you maybe add a bit more room there? Yeah, no problem. So uh, Storybook is really awesome for that. Yeah, it's also and, actually useful to yeah. just, uh, I, in my development, I, I sometimes just send it to the UXer, like, so, so don't, so you don't have to click through the whole Bodicon website, right? You say, okay, set this product in your, your basket, then go to the checkout and then see if something looks right. And sometimes this product is not available or something is down on this test or environment. But the storybook, you just, I basically can send them a link on a, to an HTML page and Everything is mocked, so it will always work also <laughs> in that scenario. And you can just check the UX, oh, this is actually what I would like <laughs> or not. Or actually, while I now see it in life, actually one is a little bit different. So also the iteration with, uh, between IT and business sometimes becomes much easier. So I, th I think it, it kind of solves a problem. It's not only testing, but this is uh, development testing, uh, uh, interacting with UX, uh, UXer, et cetera, it also, all becomes simpler. Yeah. So the story is also... It's also repre yeah, it's representing the uh, the cases say you want to test, but it's it also shows the the, the checkout itself already in in the mock uh, mocked up way of course, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, it's yeah. even possible to to choose granularity. I mean, you can test the smallest drop down if you want, if that's the smallest component that you defined. But we can even test the entire checkout page. So, for example, there was a feature where we wanted, if you already selected a card in your carousel, if you click on it, go, go to the to the next section of the single page. And that's, you know, in a unit test that would never be able to be tested. But here we can just render an entire collection of components, the entire checkout page, and see uh, if they interact correctly with each other. I was interrupting hey, you, Pat Paul. Well, yeah. yeah, again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't have. So, <laughs> while talking uh, beforehand with uh, yeah, yeah, and Casper, we told them that that uh, yeah, no one uh, talks at the same time, just Peter and I. So, uh, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I will try. You know. <laughs> no, so, so what was? So this really feels and sounds like something that 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 you're also. Uh, using something like like test-driven development because you're you're starting with the mocks, then the front end, and then eventually start building the real backend. And also yep. the interaction it's a real step also towards that. Uh, I guess is it something? Yeah, yeah. Component-driven development. It's uh, basically that. And of course, sometimes it's 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 easier to do this than other times. I mean, you still need to uh, write the mocks and sometimes you just want to try a few things. And of course the contract with the backend might change in the meantime because you found out uh, an edge case. But uh, yeah, yeah, that definitely helps me. Um, yeah, also, yeah. I, I've worked with both approaches for the for the components in the, in the web shop and in the checkout. And this felt a bit quicker to me because you only have to mock the front end. And also during development, as soon as Casper starts programming, you know, after his first couple of commits, I can usually start, uh, you know, writing the test cases, defining the stories, etc. Cool. To, me, to me, it feels a little bit in between, you know, TDD and just starting up your whole environment and, and just hoping that it works out in tests. Like, uh, so so in, in TDD, I always, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel that that's productive because you're really, uh, maybe I, some people say I interpreted wrongly, but really testing your functions. And here you are just yeah testing basically the whole front end as a wall, but just the input being whatever you get from the back end. <laughs> and uh, I feel like that indeed uh, yeah it has the same kind of vibe because indeed 
you start with your, your mocks and basically so assuming I would get this and that and then uh, I get something uh, and, 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 and now it doesn't look like it should be. Now just make something and <laughs> make sure after this coding it actually looks like the story describes it. Uh, and, uh, and, and Storybook also actually released a new feature now that you can, next to your story UI, you can also have a an, an docs thing where you can actually put docs about your story. <laughs> And some people just use like an alternative of Jira, basically. That hey, you have here your UI of your story, and here is actually the the <laughs> description. So we could, for example, put there also like the Jira ticket, uh, just just so that people know. Okay, this is actually how this should have looked like uh, when two years ago someone <laughs> uh, you know uh, specified this. <laughs> so I, yeah, to to summarize it, you you have this TypeScript that is the the, the thing we use for the for the mocks, right? And the um, uh, storybook is the is the framework in which we combine the uh, the, the way it looks like, but also all the test uh, 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 stories. Yeah. 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 And and you said something about automate automated testing. What what do you do we use for that? Is that storybook itself? Um, uh, no, no. For automated testing, we use Cypress. Um, for the people who don't know, it Cypress is a, a test automation framework for the for the UI. It's in, uh, written in JavaScript, so uh, it's, it's very easy for 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 Casper and for me to to both develop in it. Personally, I prefer it uh, immensely over Selenium or other frameworks like that because it's just a lot more robust. Uh, it, it waits for for example until an element is uh, interactable uh, and uh, until the interaction is finished before moving on to the next step. And uh, in my experience, it's, it's a lot less flaky than uh, Selenium. So it's it's very easy to just define a test that way, and in the test we just open Storybook. We say okay, so for this test case, go to open Storybook and go to this defined story. And um, of course uh, we we don't have the you know, we break out of the frame of Storybook, so we just have this component and we start interacting away. It, yeah, it's very easy. I mean, you, you just search for for certain elements. You know, is everything visible? Can we click on it? Can we scroll left? Can we scroll right? If I click this button, does this modal open? Um, so we can test a lot of the interactions that we want to do. We can test here, actually. I, th I think, yeah, our goal is, and of course it's just a goal, but uh, to reach uh, full JavaScript test coverage, actually, or TypeScript test coverage uh, within uh, the Cypress tests, so that we actually are sure that all the different paths are actually covered. So that's a lot of functionality testing uh, with, with this setup. Uh, what other... Uh, test purposes do we cover with this, like performance testing and, and those items, or is that in, a, in another area? No, not really. Uh, performance test for front-end is, of course, a bit different. Um, React is a client-side framework, so it really depends on what device you use to actually go to our checkout. So uh, if you have a Android phone, and there are a couple of those lying around, uh, I assume, yeah. then this, this will be a bit slower. So. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think we. Th this is one of those those scenarios where you can actually better rely on pro data than than do your own performance <laughs> testing. Yes, so uh, certainly, while developing our page on, on on MacBook Pros, we never felt it being slow. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then we looked at the actual actual data of actual Android users, and it was terribly slow actually. So uh, and we we fixed most of those uh, problems, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite hard to test the. Uh, to test the front end on the performance, yeah, we have to be out. Okay, maybe we can just buy some old Android phone and and just run some kind of test <laughs> that or something. But that is uh, yeah, quite hard. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can have mine. I I hand it into Office Automation and then you can use that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> 
Good idea. <laughs> okay, Dave. Hey, but but then that, that's also a part where you can see that emulation of, of, of like clients that doesn't really work for things like performance testing, I guess. That that's also what this really is about, yeah, right? So yeah, in EPAD in, 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 in Chrome, uh, something like uh, slow down your CPU six times, but but actually uh, when I do that, it is slower slower even than I see on, on the real pro data. So then it's actually an overestimation because then it takes 10 seconds suddenly to load the page. <laughs> well, well, we see the slowest one are being four seconds, for example. So, so yeah, I, th- I think in, for that, uh, you know, actually our impulse tools is very good in that. It can exactly show, okay, those kind of devices you are performing badly on. Uh, so we use, the, we use that and, uh, and uh, improve based on that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, also before uh, you know the last half year, uh, we're uh, we have released most of the the new checkout that we're building uh, to the public. Uh, so a lot of it has been fine tuning, you know, looking at pro data, setting a target. Okay, we don't want to be slower than 2.5 seconds for for most customers uh, for the initial load, and then just see. So how can we uh, minimize the JavaScript bundle that we sent uh, to the client? And uh, I think we've made good strides there, also with our backend performance, which of course influences how fast the checkout can get their data and then they can start building up the, the web page. Yeah, so that's, that's basically one problem that you see in React apps, like it is, once it's loaded, it feels very smooth and very app-like and, uh, and fast, but to get it loaded is always slower than a server-side app. So, so you see like the landing pages are, are often a server-side app because you, you don't want them to click back to go to Google and go to Cool Blue or something because <laughs> it took too long. But once they, they, they are there, uh, it's okay for a page to load a little bit longer, but then have a better user experience once it's loading. As long as it's clear that it, that it is processing and doing something, eh? the, the, uh, the user uh, perception. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 Hey, what what is uh, what were the benefits from doing it like this if you compare to the other test setup of the the webshop itself? Um, well, I think like we said, component-driven development is now feasible, so it's very fast to start writing your tests uh, ASAP. And uh, also, um, not just for automated testing, it's very useful, but uh, like we said, for business analysts, designers to to actually do rapid prototyping stuff like that to actually verify your design very early on. But I think. The, the, the biggest thing uh, benefit this has also Storybook is that we can actually uh, do real user testing with this. So um, over the last couple of years, we've done a couple of uh, groups, uh, which are get out of the building tests to Utrecht Central Station and uh, armed with Storybook and uh, show people. So this is what the checkout looks like. Can you for me maybe select a different payment method and see how they interact with the, with, uh, uh, with the page and if it's very intuitive for them or not? So uh, for that, I think yeah, that was one of my main, main takeaways that it uh, that is a really powerful tool. Yeah, and we even as sometimes like we we tested four different mocks basically, four different scenarios uh, that w- didn't have any kind of backend implementation yet. But we we mocked that and uh, we just said okay, if this is the first story. Let, try it like this, and then they were like, oh, I don't like it. And then we tried the second one, and then they were like, oh, hey, this actually makes sense. So so we we could prototype things in the, in the in the wild basically <laughs> uh, before having to to make a whole uh, backend implementation that in the end wouldn't be used maybe so that, that was that was quite nice indeed did you do that yourselves going to the station and, and talk with uh, the end customers and say well can you check it for me yeah, yeah actually i did it two times yes really nice to do i think uh, also a yeah, bit scary yeah, <laughs> yeah but scary and uh, <laughs> but, oh. yeah it was a uh, yeah it was, it was really nice and actually uh, 
very positive uh, feedback. Also, some uh, mostly the younger guys like, oh, this this really works very very nice and smooth. Uh, when can I use that? <laughs> yeah, when is it available? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all, we've also done you know a real uh, user uh, user acceptance testing uh, with with real customers uh, at the office, and uh, then we could actually watch them interacting with our page, and uh, and they had to think out loud. So uh, so now can you please look for a product with these and these characteristics and just order it and uh, send it to a pickup point. And we would they, they would speak out loud what they were doing, and sometimes you know all the assumption that we make as developers or designers, yeah, that this is very easy, and they were struggling to find a certain button. You think it's right there, but yeah. it's very valuable input, of course, to to improve our checkout. But it's very late in the process, so uh, the earlier you can start doing this, the better, I think. I think also uh, one thing I really like in this setup is that we uh, TypeScript gives us actually because I have been doing some unit tests on the on the backend lately. But if we change a model, uh, uh, we will generate uh, the TypeScript variant of the model, and then it will give us all kinds of errors. Also in our mocks, for example, like sometimes if if you do it like this, you will have like like tens and tons of mocks. And if you change one model, you have to change all those mocks. But if you uh, yeah, basically in, in Java with the builder, it it, it won't uh, break on compile time, but will will break on runtime. Of course, you have all those tests that will break for you, but Having just uh, a break on compile time and in your editor having to fix those 60 lines <laughs> is much easier than having to rerun those tests all the time until you find the error at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that's actually really useful. And it's also uh, more type safe in the sense that it's non nullable by default and you can also have null safety there. So. Were there other uh, lessons uh, you, uh, you learned during this uh, project? Well, actually, yeah, mostly about how much I just like Cypress. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's very easy to write tests with, uh, and, and uh, you know, especially we have uh, some old tests left, legacy tests for the old checkout for uh, some other old pages. They're made in fitness, use uh, Selenium, and it's it's just just a bitch to maintain them and uh, to check them every single day, and uh, this makes it a breeze uh, basically. So we're really happy we're moving away from those. I think I think in general, I, I, I during this uh, approach, I learned also that so how how easy it can be to set up all kind of scenarios, and that I if I would do it again, I would actually test even more because uh, uh, just it's really nice that you, for example, like if the gift card uh, times out, then you get a very specific message somewhere, and it's actually nowhere that I can easily reproduce that. Uh, I, I don't know anymore where this line of code is, but if I can just click on a story and then I look at it, oh, there's actually a 504 that we are handling from uh, a status code, and then we do we do this. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, uh, I I really like uh, that approach, and I would uh, I would I would do even more, even more uh, response from the backend after an interaction. Mostly we do, we do now only testing. The, the start uh, the, the initial startups like uh, and not not what happens after an interaction but some 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 things uh, even after an interaction we can also quite easily mock yeah mostly for example errors like if if it gives back in a 500 how do we actually handle that if it gives back uh, uh, an error validation uh, how do we handle that we can uh, we can easily do that so um. so I think it's time to go to the closing round Peter. Aren't you yes, smiling because of that? Yes. <laughs> yes. See you recognize the smile? Yeah, it's a special <laughs> smile. Uh, so sorry our listeners can see that. But hey. <clears throat> okay, so uh, uh, Jens, yeah, could you please uh, share the most important uh, takeaway uh, with your audience? The most important takeaway is uh, 
if you are going to make an, uh, an app with a lot of interaction, you probably want to use the, 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 the latest approach uh, that has been involved in front end, and that is uh, uh, using your uh, React or, or Angular or Vue. It doesn't matter that much, but at least something where you have your templates only uh, on the on, on the front end and not also on the back end and the front end, and then having to keep them manually in sync after every interaction. Make sure you test your assumptions, you know, as quick as possible. Do prototyping, uh, test your components in isolation uh, as, as soon as possible, and uh, p please use TypeScript because once you've worked with that, returning to JavaScript is just horrible. Any front-end <laughs> project that you're starting, you start with from the start, and also put it on strict mode. Uh, most most people started when oh yeah I will do TypeScript a little bit but not really and then I do it in kind of loose mode and you can have JavaScript and TypeScript at the same uh, time and and it will uh, yeah it won't catch all your errors so uh, I would uh, definitely strict. use TypeScript and strict <laughs> strictly <Yeah. laughs> okay well yeah yeah thanks uh, Jan and Casper for for your story and I'm I must convince that uh, uh, I was a bit um, Scared before the before we started the recording because it could end up in a really technical uh, story from you, but you you managed to explain it very clear and 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 step by step uh, building up uh, the, the the story and explain it to us. So uh, yeah, thanks for uh, for this and uh, cool. Thanks, no problem. Yeah. For me, it was the second time this week that someone uh, mentioned that uh, if you start uh, from scratch. On the front end uh, application, use TypeScript is in strict mode. So yeah, two oh, times nice. in a week, it must be true. It must be true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sorry. guys. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!